Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that finds its way into every nook and cranny of the property world. Today, we're talking about a sector where take-up around Europe grew by 20% last year. Co-working and serviced offices offer great space, experience space, amenity space that the tenants, the people in the building, really want to work from. Five years ago, everyone just thought about in a big open plan area, everyone sitting having their own desk, whereas now you can have your own floor, your own office, your own amenities. But will the flexible office space market be flexible enough to do the same this year? And where's the growth going to be? Across the whole of Europe, it still represents less than 5% of total office stock. And I think it's got huge scope to grow. Of course, on top are the usual suspects, but... You have smaller cities, which the volume may be smaller, but the dynamics are great. I'm Guy Ruddle, and here to answer those and other questions are Cal Lee, who's head of work there, a venture set up by Savills in 2017 to help businesses find flexible office space. Uh, As I said, they've only been going since 2017, and they've already got offices in the UK, France, Germany, Netherlands, Singapore, and the US. Welcome, Cal. You must be a busy man. It's been a very busy few months, yes. Good. Uh, Eri Mitzdesterju is Savile's European Research Director and no stranger to Real Estate Insights. Welcome back, Eri. Indeed. Good morning. And Robbie Stewart is Savile's European Transaction Manager, advising occupiers on their space strategies all over the continent. And Robbie, your clients tend to be looking for more traditional office space than this flexible office space we're talking about, right? We tend to focus on traditional space. However, there has certainly been a shift over the last couple of years to looking at some flexible options with our more traditional clients. Are they, are they like, is, is Cal like the enemy? No, no, we work in a great partnership together. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get going on this then. Cal, first of all, to you, uh, we t- I mentioned that it's growing very, very fast. 20% take up, uh, increase in take up in last year. Why is that? I think there's a whole host of different reasons, but I probably put it down to two key factors. One is a drive from a company perspective for more flexibility in times of uncertainty for companies of high growth or quick consolidation. And two is around the end user. So the staff, the individual, their employees wanting more experience from their office. And I think co-working and serviced offices have played into these two trends in a huge way because they offer flexibility and they offer great space, experience space, amenity space that the tenants, the people in the building really want to work from. Eri, you're nodding. Yeah, these, these qualities which the uh, flexible uh, office uh, operators are focusing on are, are exactly you know satisfying these these emerging needs from from the millennials it's it, it's linked strongly to well-being in the in the workspace um, and uh, and uh, and better productivity as as well uh, but i would add another uh, factor to to this uh, it's the uh, long lease terms in certain markets uh, particularly in 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 the uk uh, which um, occupiers are not uh, very happy to commit to uh, anymore because the growth and the, and the change in in business models and uh, is is very fast. Yeah, and it's not it's actually not just a focus on on the office space. The word flexible is a buzzword which rings around true in most occupiers at the moment. Whether that's been able to leave at four o'clock to pick up. Uh, a son or daughter from nursery whether it's wearing uh you don't have to wear a suit every day i noticed this morning in the news goldman sachs said that 75 percent of their employees were born after 1981 so they're now going to move to an environment where you can wear whatever you like to work 
Uh, obviously, if you have a meeting, you may need to wear a suit, but they said, we're going to put the onus on our employees to be flexible in that approach. So it's something that isn't just linked to the, the flexible lease term. It's actually a flexible working environment that everyone's going to be involved in. And what sort of tenants are we talking about in this? I mean, one imagines it's, you know, startup businesses and three or four people. I, I was talking to a company uh, a few weeks ago who are in flexible office space. They have 250 employees. And I said, oh, presumably this is temporary. And they said, no, probably not. We, we, we might stay here. It, I was quite surprised. Well, it, link, it links into probably where the more traditional clients that we work with have taken space in flexible or co-working environments because five years ago, everyone just thought about in a big open plan area, everyone sitting, having their own desk, whereas now you can actually have enclosed spaces within the flexible working environment. So you can have your own floor, your own office, your own amenities. So it's a little bit different than actually what people maybe five years ago considered to be that co-working environment. What was interesting when we first created our work there business plan three or four years ago was that we thought the average deal as you said would be about four or five people startups smes and fast forward to today last year our average uh, company size was 15 people and that ranged from one people all the way to 200 plus Uh, and as robbie says that's because it's not just startups smes scale-ups driving this market it's been the corporate influx it's been it almost medium-sized businesses taking it over and above a lease instead of taking a five or 10-year lease for 50 people, which would have been absolute standard five or 10 years ago. They're now putting 50 to 100 people into a flexible office space. But it's more expensive, right? It, might, it surely is more expensive than having your own office. It really depends um, on how you take the space because we we have our own financial model that analyzes both because we do a lot of client with clients that are looking at both. And where there's a magic trick with flexible offices is in the efficiency of the space. So you take less space for the same amount of people, but you get access to the amenity area. So quite often it can work out at the same price, but you're you're getting less square foot for your buck, as it were. Right. That's something that has really changed. And we work with Cal's team on this and we put together financial proposals for some clients and they're actually amazed at how close the margins can be about taking a five-year deal or the flexibility of something they can terminate annually. And Eri, this term serviced office space, what sort of amenities are we talking about that that tenants really want? It's complementing your work, you know, your typical and traditional work space. It's also uh, breakout areas, uh, it's cafes, It's um, um, it becomes even more like having additional uses on the ground floor, which are almost semi-public, uh, and and that allows the the, the workers to and of of a company or many companies to come together and 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 exchange ideas and communicate and even connect to the community uh, within the building and the city. So it's it's a more flowing in environment, and um, and this is something which cannot be designed by the occupier himself. So it becomes, it has become a specialized service that the operators are offering. And that's, well, that's what makes it attractive for tenants. They don't need to bother about these things. They go to the specialist operator who offers all these amenities and, 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 uh, and services. So why don't we have a look at 
where then we think the growth is coming from around Europe? Because this is at the heart of the European European Flexible Office Space report. And in it, Eri, uh, one of the things you do is come up with a space demand score. So for, for different cities, I see London at the top. Uh, are we usual? Are we basically talking, you know, the usual suspects in terms of growth in this area? But of course, on top are the usual suspects. The, the, the size of the economies is, uh, can justify this. The size of the venture capital investment that comes in can justify this. Um, the innovation, uh, the, the, the talent pool and all that. But you have smaller cities, which uh, uh, the, the volume may be smaller of the demand, but the dynamics are, are great. And, and these are cities uh, which are like Dublin or Stockholm or Warsaw uh, or even, even more peripheral ones like Lisbon, etc., which have seen uh, an increase in, uh, in, in, in demand of this space uh, lately. Yes, I should probably point out that the, the, the obvious, the usual suspects in this case are London, Paris and Berlin. Yeah, I think I think if you look at the cities here, there's probably a common theme. Uh, and that's an ingredient list, really. It's a it's a hotbed of good talent. It's a place people want to work. It's a place where new businesses are being established. They've got good universities or good colleges um, and they've got a good commercial centre. And so whilst we've seen London, Paris, uh, uh, well, certainly London lead the way, we're now seeing the rest of Europe um, catch up or begin to catch up and that's been led in the last year or so by Paris, Berlin and, and Dublin but we're now seeing other cities the likes of Stockholm, Warsaw, certainly Amsterdam um, grow very, very fast off the back of those kind of key fundamentals. I think to go back to the point on, on Berlin actually the, the flexible working environment in Germany is a little bit different and is probably coming maybe to the market a little bit slower because there is a huge amount of nervousness from landlords engaging with co-working providers. Although there may be demand in Munich, in Hamburg, in Berlin for these sorts of requirements, the actual take-up, I think the four cities at the bottom of the top 20 we've analysed are actually all German. And that's because landlords aren't overly keen on engaging with some of these um co-working providers who haven't been around that long don't have great track record and they're a little bit unsure of where the sort of situation will sit in the next few years and do you think that'll change as, as they see the experience in other cities around europe i think it has the potential to change but i think there are still um a lot of co-working providers who don't publish set results um occupancy take up and until that transparency changes there may be some challenges there, but the, the demand is there. Um, you know, s- stock is low in those cities anyway, which is another challenge to come with. And once that pipeline develops and landlords are maybe a little bit, um, the vacancy rates increase, so landlords are looking to get people on board a little bit more, then that, that may open up, yes. And is the nature of these spaces, is it changing yeah, you know, I mean, co-working has been around for for many many years. So, is the nature of what people are offering is it becoming more niche? For instance, I think it's becoming more and more important. And if you take London as an example, there's a huge amount of there's probably two to three hundred different providers and over a thousand different spaces. So, how do you differentiate your spell, yourselves? Everyone tries by design, but actually, once you looked at thirty, it's very hard to think or pick what's different. So. I think it's incredibly important that any certainly new providers coming into the market or those seeking to adapt their model have 
a a good idea about what their offer is and what that niche might be are they looking at a specific sector are they looking to create a very specific community around a certain sector because if tough tougher times come it will be about how sticky are you as a brand and how sticky is your space with your with your clients so in my view it's incredibly important that all providers have a real focus about what their niche is what their offer is what what their sell is to the market is there a sense in which actually because employees get a maybe get a better experience out of working in these spaces that employers will say well actually we can go to those spaces and our employers employees will be happier and we'll get better employees i mean anecdotally we we placed a a corporate client of about 70 people into a into a provider um and i spoke to the the coo a, a few months ago and he said if we decided to move them back out into their old space, into their old previous HQ, uh, he'd have a revolt. He'd have about 50% of his staff leave. They enjoyed the space. They enjoyed the freedom it gave them in terms of where they work within that space. They weren't just confined to a private office. They can go and work from the breakout areas, the quiet rooms, the roof terrace, wherever it was. And so I think there is there is generally a, a move towards keeping staff happy, more productivity, uh, and it kind of play, has played into the hands of of this sector. Yeah, and that that's key because talent retention is massive. Uh, it's a big problem a lot of our our clients face, and and I think you notice now a lot of the traditional landlords, certainly in the UK, are embracing the flexible co working environment, starting up their own businesses, which kind of plays in, into their hands. Yeah, it's not just Robbie co-working spaces which are cool and funky and have breakout areas i see lots of companies visit lots and lots of companies who have exactly that sort of stuff in their own offices yes absolutely and i think that really is intrinsically down to landlords adapting to what their occupiers and their employees really want so they've been working a lot with the same fit out companies that work with the co-working space um, and actually going in to look at what these models look like and trying to um, recreate that in their own traditional space. One of the challenges definitely for, for businesses, especially those that are really strong and trying to create a culture, an identity, a brand that they want their people to believe in. Uh, and one of the challenges of flexible space is how you do that within a, within a provider because it's the same design, all the other companies are in the same types of space. The landlords are, are playing into that market now as they enter uh, and they're allowing the businesses to paint the space as they wish. They've got their own front door. They've got their own furniture, but they're still on the flexible terms. They've still got the amenities that the staff uh, crave. So they're getting the best of both. Uh, and that's a powerful, I think that's a powerful growth area for, for the wider market. Now, Savile standout statistic. Uh, everyone's looking a bit nervous now. We've got to come up with an interesting statistic, uh, which makes people sort of uh, think, ooh, Wow. Or just, ooh, maybe. Uh, Eri, uh, you've been here before, so we'll let you go first with your Savile standout statistic in this area. You mentioned that last year um, uh, take-up of flexible office space increased significantly. Indeed, uh, it's around 10% of total take-up of office space uh, is flexible. Uh, three years ago, it was less than 3%. Wow. So it's gone from 3 to 10 in three years. Blimey, Cal. Kind of following on from that, I think if you uh, if you took the percentage of articles that relate to co-working or WeWork, you think that the whole take of this sector might be 50%. Uh, but in reality, across the whole of Europe, it still represents less than 5% of total office stock. So it's still a relatively small 
market and i think it's got huge scope to grow and if of that five percent london in europe represents 30 percent whereas london across europe for conventional stock is only eight so i'm giving you loads of stats oh blimey that's <laughs> a stat so overload the, the message is that europe is a long way to grow and there's lots more providers to come probably i'll get one in for my side of the table yes please over the last week Savills Berlin office has completed on the two biggest deals in Q1 in Berlin on 10 plus year terms. Really? So although there is clearly a big drive on the flexible and the co-working space, there is still big demand for longer term space with some of our bigger occupiers. Great stuff. Thank you all very much uh, for being here. I hope you've enjoyed that. Eri is going to be back next time, actually, on the next episode of Real Estate Insights. So more from her next time around. And hopefully we'll see you two again, Cal and Robbie. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Great stuff. And if you want to dive deeper into this area and understand more about why we think particular cities, for instance, are going to thrive, then you'll find the European Flexible Office Space Report on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. And you can find a link in the episode information of this podcast. And if you want to make sure you're the mildly annoying know-it-all when talk inevitably turns to property, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. You can even rate us or review us if you so wish. In the meantime, thank you for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.